and expected to discover lost treasure each time they turned a shovel full of earth. But they hadn't counted on Ophir, scorching by day, teeth chattering at night. The class description in the university's brochure hadn't helped matters any. And they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold, some romanticizing publicist had quoted from the Bible, Spend six wonderful weeks searching the glorious Southwest just as Coronado once did, each day fitted with lectures and the promise of discovery. As a result, the students blamed Nick for the heat, the bugs, the ever-present sand and grit, the canned food, and the lack of television. Even to Nick, Ophir, Arizona was anything but romantic. Following the discovery of gold in the late 1880s, the town sprang to life at the mouth of Sulphur Canyon as a collection of ramshackle buildings tucked under the ore-bearing cliffs. For a brief time, riches had poured from the mines that honeycombed the surrounding land. Tailings were dumped everywhere, the highest pile becoming Boot Hill. At the height of the boom, Ophir's population rivaled the likes of Tombstone and Bisbee. Now, all that remained were a few sun-blackened, clabbered relics that had escaped the Great Fire of 1922. Technically, Ophir wasn't a true ghost town. It still had residents, die-hard prospectors mostly, squatting in the best of the surviving shacks. Last year, those diehards had been joined by Zeke Moyle, who'd bought Ophir lock, stock, and barrel. Moyle was a refugee from California where, he said, smog and cigarettes had turned his lungs into Marlboro County. Upon taking possession of the town, Moyle named himself mayor and declared Ophir a tourist mecca in the making. His first official act was to rename the largest surviving shack the Emporium General Store. As meager and bedraggled as the place was, it served as a gathering spot for Nick's students in the evenings after work. There was no place else. At first, Moyle had been more than friendly, possibly because he thought Nick was there to help him realize his dream. But he was quickly disillusioned. Her interest was in what lay beneath Ophir, the artifacts that had been lost in the Great Fire. Her quest had been triggered by the discovery of pioneer diaries found in the archives at the University of New Mexico, where Nick's father, Elliot Scott, headed the Department of Archaeology. The manuscripts were part of a bequest dating from 1936. They were, according to their own prologue, one of the few things salvaged from the fire. When Nick's father came across them, they were buried in the basement of the university library, still in their original hat boxes. The diaries had been the life's work of two sisters, Pearl and Lillian Benson, who'd come to live in Ophir in 1885 and stayed until the fire burned them out. Since Elliot's field of expertise was the ancient Anasazi Indian culture, he turned the find over to Nick, whose specialty was historical archaeology, the study of the near past. Many classical archaeologists sneered at this specialty, considering anything that happened within the last 2,000 years not worth bothering about. 
With her father's backing, Nick had been named head of the Ophir Dig for the University of New Mexico while on the summer break from her own employer, the University of California at Berkeley. If the dig went well, she hoped to publish a portrait of pioneer life that might help her gain tenure at Berkeley at long last, despite the fact that she topped her department chairman's enemies list. Ben Gilbert had never forgiven her for having a world-famous archaeologist as a father. Reading the Benson sisters' account of everyday life had made Nick realize that the image most people had of the Old West— came from movies and had nothing to do with the day-to-day reality that confronted the two women. Nick wanted to change that misconception. Using references from the diaries, she hoped to locate their home site and excavate the immediate area. Already she'd uncovered numerous artifacts from the town site, tools,